Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. So to start this morning, I want you to have a quick think. Um, you know, obviously some of us are more active on social media and things like that than, than others. But what's a recent you know, quote or a picture or you know, what they call a meme, you know, it's one of those word pictures that they throw up, that has just caught your, 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 um, your sights or your imagination over the last couple of weeks? You know, one for me, a you know, bit, bit of fun, is um, if you can recall, there was a, I think it was early 90s action movie called Die Hard. And it was set during Christmas, but it wasn't strictly a Christmas movie. But there's been this rolling um, commentary for, for the last couple of years of, of, of declaring and making Die Hard um, a Christmas movie. And, um, and so obviously on Facebook and things like that, there's been lots of fun little pictures and memes and even people twisting the words of some of the old um, bishops and things like that of the early, early church sort of saying, oh, yeah, they, they said this and this, which means Die Hard is a Christmas movie, which I thought was quite funny. But uh, the one that really capped it for me was um, this week we went and saw um, my brother and sister-in-law up in uh, Cowkite, up near Jindabyne. And he goes, oh, check this out. Look what I got for Christmas. And he pulls out this DVD. And it's a remastered, um, re, um, uh, redesigned cover of the Die Hard movie. And it was all festive and done like, a, like the dodgy Christmas um, jumpers. So it was all knitted with Christmas trees and all that sort of thing. And it was the Die Hard movie, but the Christmas version. But it was just the same movie. But that was a bit of fun for me. But we do live in a highly technological era, don't we? I know not everyone's embraced it and that sort of thing, but the fact is, you know, we've got devices now at our fingertips which have, you know, almost endless information, have almost endless capability of, you know, processing and being able to figure things out and do things. And even though we've got so much power, like the fact is there's more power in one of these than there was in the early computers that I grew up with. But the fact that most of humanity don't use it to its potential, do we? I think a lot of humanity use it purely to like things and to look at things. So, who's familiar with that image? The like button. I'm not sure which social media service came up with it. Um, I know Facebook would probably like to think they did, but there was other things even before Facebook. But pretty much everything now, like you know, websites, you know, news feeds, YouTube, Instagram, Snap, Twitter, all of them seem to have these things where you can like a comment or like a photo or like the video. You know, it's throughout the internet now, this idea of just being able to say, oh yeah, I've seen that, I like that. And the fact is, you know, they've even started to try and expand on that a little bit. So you can, you know, you don't have to just like it, you can love it, or you can, you know, be angry at it, or you can be sad about it. Um, but it's the same principle. It's the idea of sort of saying, well, I've seen that, I've read it, I've looked at it, and this is my, you know, my, my, my tick of approval or my, my, my tick of saying, yep, I've seen it. And, you know, 
for me, it really is just that sort of personal thing of as I'm going through, you know, like just, just spending some time having a look at what people are, are posting or, or sharing. And for me, it's just sort of saying, well, yeah, I do like that. It's purely personal. It's purely just going, oh, well, yeah, I thought that was funny or I thought that was cool. Like. Um, on a, on, on, on another thing that it does is that it's, it's a very lazy way, but we still do it. But it's a lazy way of letting that person know that you've seen their post or their, their, their picture. So if someone shares a, a photo of their, their trip or their family or something like that and you like it, you know, it's a very lazy way of saying, yeah, I saw your photo, thumbs up, good job. Um, in reality, it really does nothing, does it? Apart, I'll tell you what, this is the, the underlying thing. Marketing. Yeah, apart, apart from the, the powers that be, um, love those likes because it lets them gear their advertising and their, their, their information that they're going to feed back to you. But other than that, it really is a throwaway thing, isn't it? And this, this idea of liking stuff. And, you know, it's, it's almost in our language now, especially when you talk to, to, to younger people and that sort of thing. It's just, it's just always, oh, yeah, I like that, whatever, cool, done. You know, give my tick, give my thumbs up for it. And, you know, it's just so engrossed in our, in our culture now. And I'll tell you what, as I was putting this together, it scared me a little bit to think, oh, I wonder how many likes I've actually put out there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not huge on social media, but I'll tell you what, it'd be a lot. <laughs> it really would be. Because it's been around for a while now, and you know, it's just habit. You're sort of, you know, flicking through your photos or flicking through things like that. It's like, oh, yeah, I like that one. No, yeah, that's cool. Like. It's just what we do. But you might be looking at this going, but what do you mean? Like Jesus. You know, I think so often in our culture, people get, you know, a bit pressured or you might even say deceived into thinking that when it comes to our inter interactions with Jesus and in, in, our, in our interactions with religion or, or faith, that, you know, well, just to like it, that's, that's all you have to do. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, even in my young youth, I remember watching, you know, like the music award shows or the movie award shows. Uh, especially the American ones, yeah, it felt like every second winner of whatever award it was would thank God or thank Jesus. And even as a young person, I'd be like, really? That person? Because I knew full well what roles they were playing in movies or what, what content they were putting into their music. And I'm going, how does that work? Here they are thanking God or thanking Jesus, but over here there's portraying these characters or acting these parts or singing these particular lyrics. And I'm saying, even as a young person, I know I probably shouldn't be judgmental, but I'm going, that, that didn't measure up. I remember, as, I remember as a young person, I was going, why is that? What's going on there? But it's because there's this mentality in our culture of just going, oh, well, as long as you like it, it's okay. As long as you tick that box, you've done the right thing. And the fact is there's plenty of great thinkers and, and, and great minds in our world and, and, and you know, influential people that have liked Jesus. Where they're just going, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a pretty cool dude. I don't mind what he says about this or I, 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 don't, I don't mind this thing. But at the same time, I think they're really missing the point. So they're, they're, they're liking Jesus, but they're actually not understanding who he is and what he's really about. You know, just some quotes that I found 
from people that, you know, as far as I could tell, weren't, weren't believers, but they, they made comments about Jesus. You know, this person said, you know, what about Jesus? I say that he was the precursor of idealists and the precursor of socialists. This other person says, you know, Jesus Christ belongs to the true race of prophets. He saw with open eyes the mystery of the soul, drawn by its severe harmony, ravished with its beauty. He lived in it and, and had his being there. Alone in all of history, he estimated the greatest greatness of man. Yeah, great little quote, but not really actually declaring who Jesus truly was. Yeah, this person says, I believe in unconditional love and equality, and Jesus Christ exemplified these qualities, which is true. But if that's all you do, if that's all you do is recognise, oh yeah, I, I like how Jesus did this. I like how he, he said these cool things and told us to love, love one another. That's good. I like that. But is that enough? Is that enough? You know, there's plenty of people out there that I think, you know, if Jesus had a like button, they'd hit it. Heaps. They're not in churches all around our world, different religions, different, different people of all walks of life. Whatever they know about Jesus, majority of people probably go, oh yeah, he did some cool stuff. Like, click. But the problem is, just clicking a button doesn't cost you anything, does it? doesn't demand anything of you, doesn't ask you to change anything, doesn't ask you to change who you are. And the fact is, Jesus did say and do some pretty cool stuff. You know, if he had social media, I'm sure he would have had lots of likes. You know, giving his Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, there would have been lots of people, oh yeah, quote that, write that in my, in my social feed, and people would have said, yeah, that's cool, I like that. He would have had plenty of followers, you know, on Instagram and, and Facebook now. We talk about having followers, people that, you know, follow your feed. So they, they, they'd like to see what you're going to post next. And so they say, yep, I want to follow that person. Jesus had plenty of those as well. But even though they might have been followers in the sense they followed him around and were, were keeping an eye out for the next thing he would say or do, but the question I want to ask is, were they truly following him? Were they truly being like him? You need a commit button. <laughs> a commit button. Yeah. So to put, I guess, the ministry of Jesus in perspective of you know, 21st century language and imagery, you know, Jesus would have been considered an influencer. Who's heard that term? Yeah, we've got influencers in our time, in our, in our generations. And, you know, this idea of being an influencer was someone that, that just draws people to themselves. You know, people are interested in what they're going to do or say. You know, and people were. People would cross the countryside, like how I started with the kids. You know, there was a, a crowd of 5,000 plus that followed Jesus into the countryside just to sort of see what he would do next, to see what he would say next. So if you do have your Bibles open, I want you to turn to John 6 with me. We're going to stay in the... the Sixth chapter of John today. So if you do have your Bibles on your phones or your physical book, if you, if you need one, there are some out in the foyer. But John chapter 6 starts with that story of feeding the 5,000. So if you're familiar with that, just sort of get that in your framework. That's the setting of this next little part. Yeah? And we see this crowd and, yeah, in, in verse 
verse 10, it says, you know, Jesus says, you know, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes and the men alone numbered about 5,000. So as, as we described with the kids there, you know, just the men, 5,000. So if you add, you know, the wives, other women, children, quite a crowd. You know, you might even say 20,000. You know, big crowd of people. And he does. You know, they show up looking to see what he's going to do next and he does something amazing. From this pittance of food, you know, a couple of loaves of bread, a couple of fish, he feeds them all and there's leftovers, more than what they started with. You know? This miracle of multiplication was, was, would have been staggering to see. People just be going, Where, where's this coming from? It just keeps coming. They're like handing food down the line. It's just like, well, here you go, keep going, keep going. It just kept going. It would have blown their minds. And the fact is these crowds were lapping this up. They were chasing him everywhere trying to see these, these miracles. And here they, they, they were literally lapping it up. We're eating this miracle that he's provided. And the fact is, you know, Jesus did that and he's just like, oh, I, I do just want to get away. And so he slipped off and disappeared for a while. But they chased him down. Now, if you're sort of following in your, in your scriptures there, you'll see that the next little part is that Jesus sends off his disciples. He goes off alone, hides away a little bit. And then he walks to them on the water. That's the only way he can get back to his disciples. And they go to the other side of the lake. But this crowd, they figure it out. They go, oh, hang on. The disciples went that way, but Jesus didn't. But we know they're going to land over here, so let's go over there too. And so they chase him down. They hunt him down. That's the level of influence that this man had. Jesus Christ. And so Jesus starts to call him out a little bit. You saw us guys, yeah. Look at verse 26. Run your finger down to there. John 6, verse 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I feed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. So he starts to call out this crowd. He says, You're just following me because of the show. You're just following me because of the, 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 the freebies you're getting. And so what we see in this next little sections of a verse, and my, my encouragement is, I'm just going to pick and choose today so we can get through it. But I encourage you, read it in totality, chapter 6, because you see this progression where Jesus sort of goes, no, hang on. Why are you really following me? What's your motive? What's, what's, your, what, what's going on in your heart here? So in verse 26, he calls them out. Yeah, you only want, you, you only want to follow me because... I fed you. You're not understanding the miraculous signs. And so what he does, he starts to try to explain his mission. And so he uses this image of food to sort of say, well, hey, guys, what you really need to chase after is, is me. Because you know, God sent me here to redeem you guys, to save you guys. I am the bread of life. And he uses this image of, of, of bread. But they simply just don't get it. Look down at verses 29 to 31. You know, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants you to do. Because they, they started asking, all right, you know, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? He said, this is the only work. This is the only thing I want you to do. You know, which was quite drastic, really, when you think of the times. Because this was the Jewish people. They had the, the whole law, the whole Torah that they thought God expected them to do. And here's Jesus, the Son of God, saying, now, this is the only thing I want you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. 
So believe in Jesus Christ. And they answered, well, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Like, are these people daft? Have they, <laughs> have they forgotten the last 24 hours? They just witnessed this amazing miracle of him feeding, you know, 5,000 plus people. And they're still saying, oh, all right. If this is who you say you are, then give us a miracle. And they actually relate it back to another time where God fed people. You know, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. I reckon Jesus would almost have been pulling out his hair at this point, just going, what, do you not remember what just happened? But he keeps going. And he really starts to read the crowd. And you can sort of just go, all right, he's just going to stick his finger in it now and really stir Because, you know, all these people were liking him. They were sort of saying, yeah, no, nah, he's doing some pretty cool stuff. Let's just keep following and see what else he does next. But they're just going in it for, for the show. They're going in it because, oh, well, you know, if Joe's going, I'm going too. Let's just see what happens. Following the crowd. But it wasn't actually because they were getting changed by him. So he amps it up. He starts to say things that actually unsettle them. I actually start to get a little bit offended because he starts to sort of go, well, no, I am the bread of life and you need to eat of my flesh. And you're like, what, what, hang on, what are you talking about? And he stirs them up to the point that they start to, you know, disagree and they sort of banter between each other. So I say, oh, I'm not, not really sure if I actually like what he's saying now. And we all know, you know, anyone on this is on social media, you know how quickly that can turn, don't you? You know, one, one comment and all of a sudden, whoa, that feed just goes downhill and people start to bicker and fight and it's not even your comment, it's just other people fighting on your comment. <laughs> but then they start to disagree directly with him. They start to fire back at him. So, no, come on, what you're saying is wrong. You shouldn't be saying things like this. So Jesus sort of, I guess you could almost say, he draws a line in the sand, almost puts a, the nail in the coffin of this argument. He says, all right, let's, let's really see who's here for the right reasons. And he says this, go down to verse 53. So I know I've skipped a good little chunk there. As I said, go home and read it. It's quite interesting. But verse 53, Jesus says again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Now, those of us that have been in the church, we go, oh yeah, we understand what that means. You know, eat his flesh, drink, drink his blood. He's talking about you know, taking communion and, and, and remembering what he's going to do upon the cross for us. But just pause there. Imagine me standing up here sort of saying, no, guys, I've found out what needs to happen. For, you, for us to make it into heaven, for us to make it into eternal life, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You'd think I'd go bonkers, wouldn't you? And that's in this day and age when, you know, we've got stories of vampires and all sorts of weird things going on. You know? Back in that day, that was, that was the height of heresy. That was, that was, you know, going against everything that they believed in within their culture and their society. And that sort of thing. It's like, no, no. We don't even, you know, we try to not even touch dead bodies, let alone eat flesh or drink human blood. No, no. 
calls them out. So I'm saying, no, this is, this is where it, what it takes. And even though he used drastic imagery and drastic words to sort of get there, he was making his point. So I'm saying, no, come on. If you want to truly believe and truly follow what I'm, I'm about, it's not an easy road. It's a hard pill to swallow. So in verse 60 and 61 it says, yeah, many, of his, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? You know, Jesus was openly and willingly causing offence. Now think about that. I don't know about you, but when we really start to get in the nitty-gritty about what the gospel is about, it is offensive. Because it's telling us that we are no good. It's telling us that we are broken, that we are sinful, that we are dirty. And to human nature, that is offensive. And the fact is, if you outline that just black and white, so I say, no, you are broken. You aren't perfect. You, you know, in the eyes of God, you're scum. But the gospel needs to be offensive. Because without that knowledge, without that awareness, we never truly come to understand how much Jesus has done for us. So here, Jesus causes offence. And the fact is, if you are offended by the gospel, if the things that Jesus says and does stirs you and, and irks you almost, I'll tell you what, you're on the right path. <laughs> because you're realising, no, what he's asking is a, a pretty tough deal. In comparison to, I guess, what this world tries to tell us and what our... You could almost say our, our, our makeup and our psyche tells us. It's drastically different. It's an, it's an absolute flipping on its head. But that's what we need. The gospel is offensive to brokenness, to the brokenness of humanity, to sinfulness. And humanity always will be an objection to the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. But the question I want to ask, and the question I want to leave you with, I guess, to a point as we sort of wrap this up, is that are you going to let that offence control you? Are you going to let that, that feeling of going, oh, I'm really not sure if I really do like what Jesus says? Because that's what he was sort of getting to. You're sort of saying, no, you, you, you like the good stuff. You like the miracles. You, you, you like what I'm saying. Yeah, just love everyone. But when I call you out and say, nah, are you willing to actually really go all in? Are you going to let that control you and give you this disillusion, really, of, you know, that, that life will just carry on? Or are you going to let that transform you and let you realise, hey, yeah, I am broken. Yeah, I am sinful and I need... Jesus Christ in my life.
and let Jesus start to transform you from the inside out so we actually become like Jesus. It's not an easy decision. It's a decision that Jesus says, no, you weigh up. Don't just, don't just snap make it. It's something you need to weigh up. It's a, it's a decision to surrender. It's a decision to let go of our lives, trusting it to someone else. And it's not the easy road, but it's the right road. And, you know, it, even Jesus 12, so it says this, you know, towards the end of that section, verses 66 to 69, it says, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. So we know about the 12 disciples, but there were other disciples, upwards of 100, that were sort of regularly following Jesus and, and being under his teaching. But in this moment, it says many. We don't know how, how many exactly. But it says many said, no, nope, Jesus can't do it. Had enough. Many turned away and deserted him. But then Jesus turned to his 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replies. He says, Lord, to whom would we go? So he doesn't disagree that what he said was crazy and and, offensive. But he goes, but where else would we go? To who else would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God or the Messiah or the Christ. And the fact is, guys, there's elements of Scripture, there's elements of the Word of God that are offensive, that just go, how does that work? You know, in our day and age, there's so many things that conflict with it. But to who else will we turn? Who else has the words of eternal life? And that's why I sort of go, well, you know, there's elements of this, of this journey that, you know, even I'm still trying to sort out, still trying to figure out what is my right response in, in, in these matters. But to who else am I going to turn? Because no one else, no one else offers eternal life. You know, the 12 have come to this decision. They come to the realisation that Jesus was the Christ, the Holy One of God, the only way to eternal life. So despite the challenge, they chose to truly follow and continue this journey of becoming like Jesus. No longer were they people that just said, oh yeah, I like Jesus, and clicked a button. They're making a conscious choice to become devoted followers of Jesus so they become like Him. Yeah, to sort of finish, I guess, with a quote. I started with some quotes and talking about, you know, those memes and things like that. This is one that I've, I've loved for many, many years. It's one from C.S. Lewis. So it's from a book he wrote, or from, from writings he wrote called Mere Christianity. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm not ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. But I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the thought of things, said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic 
on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come to any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus just came on another level. And he perplexed the world he was in and continues to perplex our world. I don't know about you, but I, I, I read what Jesus says and does and it still just go, how, why, what, what does this really mean? But at the same time, even though there's challenges to it and even though there's parts of it, I just go, how does that work? I know without a doubt that he's my Lord and my Saviour. And I'm just going to keep following and try my best to be like him. And the fact is, that's all he called us to do. Like at the start of that passage, you know, they'll ask him, what should we do? Do this one thing, believe in the one that God has sent. You know, addressing a crowd in Luke 9, I've got two more quick verses for you. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I love this idea of, you know, it's a daily decision. Daily decision to go, you know what? This world's crazy. Things are going nuts. I'm feeling weird and off and not sure where even I'm at. But I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to take up my cross and just go, all right, God, you call me to do this. You call me to believe in you. And I was doing my best to, to, to walk that out. You know, even Paul, he didn't get to walk physically with Jesus, but he learned enough and, went, and God revealed enough to him about Jesus to go, well, you know what? And this is 1 Corinthians 11, 1. You should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. Paul was doing his best. He didn't get it right all the time. And he admits that. He says that quite openly in his letters. But he goes, you know what? I'm preaching Christ and to the best of my ability, you know, doing what I sh should be doing. So imitate, you know, I'm trying to lead you as best as I can. So imitate me as I imitate the Lord I follow. So this idea of, you know, being like Jesus. There's something I really want to, sell, I guess, sit on and call it a theme or whatever. I don't know if it's going to be a series of teachings or such, but it's something I'm really going to sit on for a while. But I want you to keep that sort of image in your head. You know, especially anyone on social media, you, you, you'll see this little, little button pop up. Like, 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 like this, like that. But let it be a challenge to you. Let it be a challenge to you. Are you actually like Jesus? Is what you're doing and the way, you know, the things you're saying and the things you're doing, is that actually being like Jesus? You know, just clicking a like button doesn't cut it. He doesn't leave room for that. So I do just want to put it out there. 
if this is something you're sort of saying, well, I'm not even sure if I've actually made that decision. Have I actually fully committed myself? Have I fully sort of saying, all right, God, I'm here. I don't know what's going on with my world. My world's upside down. I feel nuts and crazy and not sure exactly what's going on here. But to who else can I turn? Come have a talk to us. Let me pray with you. Let's, let's start that walk. Let's restart that walk. It might have been a walk you were on and you weren't sure. Let me pray with you. Let's start to walk and start to truly follow Jesus and be like him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people here. And I do pray that this word that you've laid upon my heart and this, just this idea of, you know, are we just liking what, what you're about, God, or are we truly following what you're about? And I pray, Lord God, that we can be challenged, Lord God, each and every day. Challenged to step out into this world, Lord God, in all our ups and downs and all our, our own uncertainties and journeys, Lord God, but willing willing to take a step closer each and every day, Lord God, to be more like you. I pray for anyone here, Lord God, that's struggling, whether it's just struggling in their faith walk or struggling just even to, to come to terms with whether, whether you are real or whether this reality of, of faith and eternal life is real, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you just reveal yourself, that you show your love and your desire to be in relationship with each and every one of us. Thank you for today, Lord God. I thank you for what you're laying upon my heart. I thank you for what you're going to do in and through this church this year. We give ourselves to you, Lord God, and we surrender ourselves afresh to you. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen.